Welcome to the Manager Tools Members Only Cast. Today's topic, the interview with John Locke, part two. Hi everyone, it's Mike and welcome back. In today's cast, we cover part two of our conversation with John Lucht. As you know, John's a top professional recruiter in the world and author of the book on job searching, Rites of Passage. This is really a treat. So, if you haven't listened to part one, you may want to go back and listen to that before proceeding. But if you have, well, here we go with part two. Okay, so tell me, um, we, we talked about mistakes, the things that people do that you cringe or that you regret, you wish they wouldn't right. do. Mm-hmm. When you look at people that do it well, when you see somebody go through the process and, and it happens quickly or, or, or you're impressed with the entire process from when they start searching until when they say yes and they're onboarded somewhere else, when you look at that, what impresses you? What are the two right. or three and you're things? you're asking about how they do well. Why, yeah. why do, are they impressive in the interview? Right. Or in general, even in, more broadly in the transition. Okay. All right. Well, I don't know. Let's just take the interview first. Okay. Okay. The most important thing you've got to be able to do in the interview is to communicate an answer to a question succinctly. And you want to, this isn't politics. In politics, you have your talking point, and you can be asked anything by the interviewer, and you say (laughs) what you can to say. Interviewers don't like that. (laughs) They may not like it, but they have to accept it because the candidates do it all the time. But the fact is, if you are listening, listening to what you're being asked and responding to what it was exactly, And then if you can communicate something good on the subject, and if you can shut up after about a minute or a minute and a half. Now, uh, in one of my my writings, and uh, I have a bunch of essays on right side that are um, not in the books. They're just extra stuff that keeps Mm -hmm. coming up. But um, the... Uh, let's see. What did I lose my thought there? Um, blah, 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 blah. We were talking about interviews and, and how they're they're um, they, they they need to answer the question succinctly. Yes. Uh, now I I w- created the executive job changing workbook. Right. And I had things that would help people with resumes, cover letters, networking, all of that. The one thing that I said, well, now. This is a book that has something for every activity. What can I do for reference uh, for uh, for um, um, interviewing? Mm-hmm. What kind of help can I give, mm-hmm. supplementary to what might be in the other book, and mm-hmm. so forth? And I came up with the idea of sort of Miss America questions when people are asking uh, are asked about something that they've done and it's a life and death matter uh, they're just reaching so hard to drag up some relevant personal experience that would prove that they can be they actually you know, have right that skill or they're right yeah, for the job right. Right? They're, they're, they're on the spot and they often fail and then they flub around and they talk too long yeah. and it's vague and unclear so I came up with a little exercise anybody that's listening can do this uh, and that is, ask yourself a stupid question, but answer it 
clearly and succinctly. And I came up with a whole list of questions, but we could sit here and and uh, make them up all day long. It'd be fun to make them up. If you had to eat one sandwich for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? Tuna tastes okay. good. Uh, right, but immediate, you've got to come up with a central issue. It's got to be headlined in the first words out of your mouth, and then you amplify it and you go into more detail, yep. and when the time is up, you shut up no matter what you haven't right. said yet. So, and, and you said the most important things because you put the most important things first. So uh, maybe it's... Um, what are the what is the worst car you ever owned and what was wrong with it you know uh, what it, was it, the it, worst it, advice that anybody ever gave you and if in what the was the worst date that you ever went on yeah. or or something the best what was the best date that you ever been on and what was the outcome and why and what right. did you do right. uh, it, but it, you move away from your career and maybe you have your spouse or you have somebody else ask you these kinds of questions until you are able to seize on any question, no matter yeah. what it is, and the central and give, point, right give the central point in the headline first of all, and then give the supporting details underneath. John, I think something. I want to amplify something you just said. The phrase that you just said that hit me like a ton of bricks is you said, "Move away from your career," because when they're preparing interviewing questions, uh -huh. they have been told by friends and family and everything else, "You need to talk about this. You need to talk about that. About you need to bring up this background." But when they, well, you, to your point, the Miss the Miss yeah. America thing, when they move away from their career, they see the question as a central point and some amplification. Right. If they learn that in the Miss America thing, then they go back to their career. They'll say, "Oh, now I understand why recruiters." <laughs> roll their eyes and start going to sleep when I talk for nine minutes. And and we have a joke. We often say, Mike and I say this, many people have heard us say this. We say, when you get asked a yes or no question or a number question, like for an MBA, what was your GPA, uh -huh. for instance, sure. if the answer, if the, it's a yes or no question or a number question, if the answer starts with well, <laughs> you know it's going to be a bad answer, right? <laughs> and and if, you, if, if 10 words are out of your mouth and the answer word, worst car, Volvo or Volkswagen, whatever the case might be, if that word is not in the first ten. You failed. Right. E even if you give the right answer, if you've given a hundred well, words, and especially if you circle around oh, you know, and you wander, yeah. and then finally hit it. Yeah. Right. Right. I often uh, tell people, I would rather you be wrong with your answer, like you picked the wrong car, or whatever. You pick my favorite car is your worst one. I'd rather you be wrong in the first five seconds and then support your answer, than think I wouldn't want to be wrong. So I'm going to give him all the rationale for why I choose, oh, and then that, at the end deliver the answer so that he'll know that it's an okay answer. Ah. Oh, and that brings up another point that you made me think about, which okay. is really, really a serious problem. Now we're talking executives, right. although we're talking beginners too. We have whatever you might call the curse of the business school. The people who have been to business school uh. and have somehow been taught to speak and write in vague generalities. Uh. <laughs> they have been taught that the more you make it abstract, and the less specific, the narrower yes. it is, yeah. I mean, the, the broader, broader it, it is. is, the better. Because then it will engulf anything. Then, <laughs> then it cannot... Then everyone will be happy, right? Right. <laughs> then there's nothing restrictive that would rule you out for anything. Yes. Well, yeah, and there's nothing that would make well, you useful for yes. anything. Because, of course, if you're one of the six people for a senior position or even a mid-level position, it's not that you make everybody... Un, not unhappy. You must make a few people desperately happy to have you. Yes, and that requires and you depth and have specificity. Exactly what you want, and, yeah. and it, you've got to be specific 
to have the right thing. Yep. The right thing is very specific. The right result is very specific. Yes. Nothing is more specific. Right, right. So uh, the people who have been taught, and it's... I don't know who teaches this, <laughs> and, but I suspect business schools right. are doing this. Yeah, let's hunt them down and well, shoot them. Well, or something. John, I, know. I have to tell you something. I, I'm uh, the, the, our listeners will laugh at this because they'll they'll write and say, "Yeah, you're right." I have been speaking at business schools for a year, teaching uh, Harvard and Kellogg uh-huh, and Stanford sure. and so on, talking to the, the kids. I say kids, but but sure. these young professionals who have spent a couple of years. They went to undergraduate school. They went a couple of years in business, if, if that, and then have gone back to business school. And and I basically try to give them some. Basic in two or uh-huh. three hours. Look, here's some simple things you need to know. Uh, and many people know that we have YouTube clips on the website where I was talking a number of years ago. And and and, and I tell them all the time. I, I say, look, um, uh, you have got to be energetic. You've got to be forceful. You've got to know yourself. And you can't. You. It means nothing that you're smarter than us, because every other person who's interviewing is just as smart as you. If they're right. going to Northwestern, they're just as smart as you. And, and I am amazed at this sense of uh, they give broad, kind of vague answers mm-hmm. to your point, and then they're stunned that they don't get a, they don't get a response back. And, and I tell them, I said. Gosh, show us a little bit of toughness, a little bit of energy. You know, look at somebody dead in the eye and say, I really want this job, and I want to tell you why. Well, that's another, that's another good question to ask for the, you know, ask for it. Uh, it it's, there's a, a I, in, in my parlance uh, on right side, I wrote an essay um, called Charlie's Question, and uh, call it Charlie's Question because it was a, a member of right side who mm-hmm. uh, actually sent me his question specifically that he asked. But the question is, and it's done while there's still time in the interview, Mm -hmm. before the end. Right. And you say, well, now, we've talked about quite a few things here, but knowing what you now know about me, what would you feel is... I I lack. Right. Where's my weakness? Where would you perceive uh, my weakness? Right. uh, My inappropriateness for this? Now, sometimes it'll be very obvious what it is there from a right. strictly maybe foreign field or something. Right. And so, in answers to all of the questions, they've shown analogies to what it is. Right. And you say, boy, if they can do it there, they could probably do it here. Uh, that's what they have to do. But, uh, but the uh, people forget that in interviews, it really is an information gathering experience. It's not a vomiting out of information what you want to say. <laughs> right. It is actually a vacuuming up of information uh, that you need to know. Mm-hmm. And how can you address potential negatives if you don't know what they are? Right. And that's also, uh, I'm very critical of these people who talk about seizing the initiative and controlling the interview. Oh, my God. <laughs> Have you ever had somebody, you've interviewed somebody, and they want to take over your interview? The, oh, you're interviewing them? Absolutely. The nerve of these people, right? Huh? Well, you uh, know, uh, there was a, a, somebody, um, maybe a decade ago, somebody in this field wrote an article or a book or something, and they wanted you to show that you were an activist, not a kind of passive person. Oh, okay. Sure. And therefore... When you enter the room and you sit down, you must move the chair. Oh. Don't leave the chair where oh. you found it. Move it. Yeah, as if and the recruiter's I, actually looking at them at that moment to see whether or not they move the chair. And, oh, right. Yeah. Well, right. But the people who do it, they, they would move it maybe a foot or two feet or something, you know. Well, come on. Come on. So you 
you read this book, right? <laughs> and now you're in charge <laughs> of the chair, right? right you've proven exactly. that you're in charge. Yeah. But uh, but it, it's uh, looking for something that says that uh, you're an activist right. and uh, yeah. not a not a patsy. Hmm? And then and then taking it to the next level and saying, if you ask me a question that I don't think it really highlights my skills, then I'm going to tell you what I want you to know about me. And I we actually so we've said this many times. Look, we know you have much more stuff than we can talk about in an hour. I have specific things I'm looking for for the job. I'm trying to fit you for the job or not. And if you're going to tell me what you want me to know, and your analysis is not letter perfect, right. that exactly what you want to tell me exactly fits my needs, which I've never seen in all right. my years been right. doing, unless it's perfect and it's not going to happen. It is silly to think that you're going to take charge of the interview. The recruiter knows what they need to know, and they're trying to figure out whether or not you're right for the job. Absolutely. Yeah. And and it's surprising how many people uh, will figure that they know what it is. And right. uh, look, here's a and just kind of a side point that bears that out. Um, it could very well be that the things you most want to communicate were communicated very well in your resume. It's very obvious what you've right. got that's your best stuff. Right. So it's possible that recruiter or employer, anybody has read about you and knows your best stuff. Right. Because that's been already communicated by a recruiter to an employer, by a resume to anybody. Uh, and what they're, the purpose that they have in the limited time of the interview is to try to overcome what they perceive as your negatives. Mm -hmm. So if you manage only to reinforce the positive the things they already know, which they already had and were satisfied with, and you don't address, you don't even find out about the negatives, it's a wasted right. opportunity. Right. When you think about um, uh, the executives that you place, and you think about a young manager, let's say a 25-year-old manager, a 30-year-old uh -huh. manager starting to grow. And by the way, we have to come back, and I have to talk to John about the title, the rights of the $100,000. Because when you wrote it, $100,000 is poor. I more, invented I, the term $100,000 right. plus, plus. Right. And the publishers didn't want to publish the book because they said not enough people make that kind of money. You're talking to just a very limited group. I said, look, the politicians are going to inflate and yes. inflate and inflate. inflate. We can count on the fact right. that inflation is going to make this. And so I had to, not too long ago, improve it a little bit and make it $100,000 to $1 million right. plus. So God me. knows we may, I hope we don't go to a trillion. Uh, <laughs> for one person, right? Yeah. yeah. So so tell me, there are people who, when I when I tell them about the book, um, and I, 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 I knew about the one million, but I, but I don't talk about it, and they say, well, I, I, I you know, I, th that's uh, that's not very much money. It can't really be for executives. Talk about, uh, and, and I know the answer, but I, but I want everyone to hear it. Talk about how valuable the book is is for somebody. Even though you were writing it for somebody a hundred thousand dollars twenty years ago, now that person, that hundred thousand dollar person, is a number of levels lower in the organization. But but it still has validity, even for a manager oh, who's absolutely. who's a couple of years out of school and maybe he's only making eighty or ninety, but he's going to be there at some point. Even though you may have written it for executives before, talk about uh, about uh, the, uh, really. Uh, I've had so many people who have read the book that got a high-level executive job, and then they tell me that they bought copies for their sons, for their daughters, and, right. and for others, and, you know, this is going to be my kid's graduation present. And absolutely, if the uh, youngster, the beginning person, is willing to study and to see what is valid and what works for any right. level, no matter how high, 
uh, it's pretty much all germane to the right. um, to the beginner as well. Okay. Let me let me ask you a question that I know some of our some of the audience is going to ask us about. If you said manager tools and John Locked, what are their disagreements? Everyone who who pays attention to us would say resumes. You have a, your your chronolo- oh. reverse chronological resume for uh-huh. executives for senior positions uh, are normally longer than one page. They could be three or four pages sure. if, in fact, they're right. Exactly. Whereas we have a we have a pretty hard and fast rule about one page simply because we're more willing to make an exception. And we've done that just recently with some people putting resumes in front of us. We say, look, you're now you're 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 fifty years old. You're a, you're an executive. You're you're responsible for us. $400 million line of business, your resume is going to be two pages long or perhaps three pages long. So talk about the one-page resume that we recommend for most managers versus the three or well, four-page resume. That, I think that it's very logical. Not First of all, every word in a resume should be as tightly constructed, should deliver a fact as clearly as you possibly can. Uh, nobody gains anything from a six <laughs> words, it could be reduced to three words and right. have tons more impact just because right. you don't have to fatigue the mind by going through right. more of it. Yeah. You know? right. but, but we never see that. Right. <laughs> I mean, well, John, we, we recommend one pages. We actually have somebody who reviews resumes for us, uh-huh. and we charge a small amount, and, and, and we provide it as a service. And we have people that have say they've heard our resume review cast. They've looked at our sample resume, which I wrote. It's one page over uh-huh. a 20-year career, and they send us six pages. Uh-huh. And, 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 of course, now, privately, I admit, there's an intellect problem there. I mean, you say you listen to it. How could you possibly then produce six pages? So, yes, we, we get the longer well, resumes uh, but all the time. It depends. To do something superbly in six pages requires an absolute mastery that most people don't have. Right. But when I did outplacement, uh, I used to be the most expensive outplacer in the business, my minimum fee was $55,000 per case, and one of my clients <laughs> that was sending me a lot of those cases said, John, uh, and it was then uh, 15, that was the minimum, and it was basically 15% of annual compensation, and some of the other people were making big money, and so he said, you've got to put a cap on this. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, it's 55000 minimum, 75000 maximum, okay. and I probably got a handful at $75,000, i am not over six or seven, probably. Uh, but the, um, the point is that when I did those resumes for those people, they generally came to four or five or not unusual to be six pages. But they were now, done by you, yes, and every and, word was crafted. Uh, and it was, I spent so much time on it sometimes. In fact... I always say the biggest lie, well, that's not fair. I haven't told any other lies. (laughs) But one really, really egregious lie that I've told in a book is in the Executive Job Changing Workbook. And it appears on page 69. People may be able to remember that number. In any event, the Executive Job Changing Workbook on page 69, there is a lengthy description by a fellow who was in the automobile business uh, of what he was doing for General Motors and very well written. And it was like three or four paragraphs. It occupied the first, it does occupy, if you look on that page, it occupies the first maybe two-thirds of the page. 
And then underneath, we have what I rewrote, and it occupies only one-third of the page. Uh, now, this fellow had moved from his original job with General Motors, which was much bigger than the job that he was ultimately being let go from. And it was important. I always think you have to, talking to uh, reverse chronology mm -hmm. and so on, if there, you really are handicapped if you're not able to make your most current job seem like the biggest one of the biggest right yeah, if, if not, not the, the biggest, biggest right. it's got to be right. got to be, be a progression right so in this care in this situation um, this guy wrote what happened eloquently and it sounded like he was being ground up in the great big corporation mm, you know right, yeah. he was charlie chaplin or right, you know right uh, they were getting the best of them and you you that kind of rang through it. I couldn't allow that because when I'm getting these big fees, the biggest thing that people got out of it was a resume. And I would, like mom would pin a little note on a, somebody's and send them off to school. Right. The main thing I did was to help these people. And I made them write their own first, second, and third drafts. I only entered in after they had gone as far as they could. Mm -hmm. And then I got involved. So the lie that I told, and this is flat out, really, really bad lie, uh, I said that uh, it took me, I think I said four or four and a half hours to distill down from the top of the page to what we had at the bottom of the page. Half, half as long as what you... Uh, yeah, half yeah, as long, yeah. maybe even a little right. less than half right. as long after I had rewritten it. Also, there was a difference in what the same facts said. Because when the guy wrote it, very eloquently and rather long, when he wrote it, it sounded like he was being ground up. You and got an impression. When I rewrote it, I made it like um, if you go out on the boat uh, on the boat dock, you know, and you push against this yacht. It weighs umpteen thousand pounds, right? Right. And yet you, you standing can, on the dock you can move can it. move it, yeah, right? Right. In fact, I think it was Archimedes or one of the ancient Greek uh, mathematicians or something who said, give me yeah. a place to stand and I can move the earth. That's right. Okay, well, we got this guy moving the earth. It mm -hmm. sounds like he moved General Motors. <laughs> uh, that was the objective. That's what we had to do for his particular case. And um, the big lie was that I said I did this in four and a half hours. I actually did it in eight and a half or nine hours. I worked on it one entire Ugh. weekend day. I pr probably did it on a Saturday or a Sunday, but I worked and I did it over and over again. And maybe I wasn't at the best of my game when I was doing it, you know, mm -hmm. but it took that much effort to do it. And I thought it was important enough to do it. Because it was important. You can't leave what he had. No, yeah, and yeah. It, what he had was not disgraceful. Right. It was not. It was not shabby. And it wasn't wrong. And it, it wasn't wrong. But it, it was all true and everything. Yeah. But it wouldn't but, help him. Yeah, it wouldn't, help, it wouldn't him. help him. Right. Yeah. So what we got to do is we got to help him, and you got to help with the truth. Right. You cannot make up uh. stuff that's not true. Uh, it's got to always uh, go through the referencing procedure. So uh, your references had better not see your resume and say, boy, I don't remember it that way at all. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, the, the goodwill that they had for you, it just siphoned off by that right. kind of thing. Right. So anyway, uh, longer is not better. 
but the communication of more salient facts that prove you're able to do a superb job for this is uh, is good. Mm -hmm. And it should be as carefully worded, as succinctly worded as if you were crowding it onto one or two pages if right. you let it go any further. Now, there's another thing that I like to do. Now, now we're talking executive resumes. We're talking salaries above 100000 above 200000 and so mm -hmm. on. Uh, I, this is something that I originated, well, I originated a lot of this stuff back when I first wrote the book and wrote the resume that's in it, the Sam Sage resume. Sam Sage, yeah, sure. Right. When I first wrote that, I wrote what I thought would be the ideal resume, and it will illustrate all kinds of, of things that could happen in right. somebody's life, even having a period when having I was out of work and right, yeah. worked on the family stuff and went back and so forth. Um, so I... I created a um, kind of platonic ideal of the resume, kind mm -hmm. of a, a, right. um, a kind of an ideal resume, and I thought people can you know learn from this, follow it, and uh, and and it's helped a lot of people. But the point is that when we got to the um, internet and we did another version mm -hmm. of this thing for the internet. I really didn't cut out any words. I cut out white space, white and it space. comes down to about two pages. So sometimes these very crowded, good one-page resumes, if you relax and give it a little breathing room, right. and you give some white space between the different right. copy blocks, suddenly you've got a suddenly page and a half that or two. goes yeah. a little longer. Yeah. And I don't think it's worse. There's no. Uh, there's no. Um, you know, God is going to get you for right, right for having a second page, right? Yeah. right having so you know, right. Uh, so I don't think, I don't think that we have a um, we have a a, um, a, a fundamental disagreement. No, right, we right. don't. Uh, I'm sure you're just as keen as I am for getting it very succinct, tight, very tight, clear. Tight. And you know, and what? I love numbers. I love tables of numbers and so oh. on. But go on. Oh, I'll tell you something, John. We one of the reasons we do the one page is because we know that anybody. And I mean this sincerely, folks. We know that anybody who can give us a two-page resume, we can turn it into one. Uh -huh. uh, because most people, right? And writing, if they gave you more, you could yeah. you could turn it into two. Right? They exactly. Gave you, they gave you six, you could put it on two, right. probably. And I'm amazed at. Well, there are too many times. Writing schools all the time say, "Make it shorter, make it shorter, make it shorter." And if you can keep the same knowledge in less page, there are recruiters. I know when oh. I get a resume that's three pages long, and I think about reading it, I'm thinking I'm wasting my time. And they did another. One that is really has the same amount of heft to it, and it's one page. I said this well, person worked harder, is smarter, and has done more. Is done could better be, for me. Could be um, one of the tips that I would give to anybody who's doing that kind of thing. There are certain phrases that are useless because they're obvious, right? Um, <laughs> of the company. Right. Well, well, of, of course. course, it's a company. I mean, what else <laughs> would it? They're paying so, you. <laughs> yeah, you can. So you can go through, and there are a lot of three and four word, word phrases. phrases that can simply be struck out, and getting rid of them uh, makes it more persuasive, right. clearer, reads better, and and you hammer the point home better. Yes. And if you get rid of oh three or four or five. Uh, Unnecessary three-word phrases in a given paragraph. You you say a line got, you, or well, two. You say the line or two. Now we can have a white space, a breathing space mm -hmm. between yep. the segments. Because mm -hmm. I think it's really important that a resume can be absorbed at a glance, 
and sometimes if you jam it so tight, it, yeah. it becomes hard to... You look at it and you have an emotional, yeah. your first response is a little bit negative, right? Well, it's yeah, just, or, or like, oh gosh, do I have to plunge into that? Right, you right. Know, it's, yeah. uh, the water seems so murky and, and uh, uh, so much going on there. All right, folks, that's it for part two. We'll publish part three next week. So until then, have a great one. So long. <laughs>